Good evening, everyone. Welcome to another Bible study session. Let us pray. Our Father and our God, we thank you. We thank you for another time to worship you, to learn from your word as a community, as a tribe, as your disciples. We ask that you open the eyes of our hearts today to hear what you're saying to us at this moment. Father, open the eyes of our faith to see that which is eternal so that we can move with a conviction that does not hold on to unbelief, even in the face of impossibilities, but that our faith becomes empowered by your word and that our faith grows in confidence that we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength and that our faith, our faith, our, our extraordinary faith is strengthened by the finished work of the cross and in knowing that he who started this work in us is faithful to complete it until the day he returns. Holy Spirit, I ask that you give me the tongues of the ready writer and you speak through me, not my words, but yours, O God. My Father, be with my mouth and teach me what to say every time I speak. Give me a mouth of skillful words and wisdom. Father, as I open my mouth, fill it with what I need to do your will in this very moment, I declare that I become lesser and lesser and that Christ and the Holy Spirit becomes greater and greater in me. Lord, we thank you. We welcome you. Thank you, Lord, for making a home in this in this sanctuary. Lord, we thank you. We adore you and we love you so much. Thank you for teaching us tonight. And we just open our hearts to receive what you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Today, um, we'll be reading John chapter 7 from verse 25 to 36. But before we jump into the reading and the study for today, let me do a quick recap on our last session. So the last time we met, we studied John 7, <laughs> 1 to 24. And here's a quick recap. Um, number one, there's an appointed time for the fulfillment of your purpose. So there's an appointed time to step into the fullness of your purpose. So stepping um, so if you step into the fullness of it, if you step in before it's time, it can be detrimental to you and to everyone that purpose is meant to serve. So we saw that in the story of Jesus. Um, number two, God uses the waiting season to build us, to grow our character and to perfect us. Number three, we don't take breaks from duty. Faithfulness is still showing up for duty when no one is watching or when you're not yet invited to that main stage, that big platform. Um, we must always remain faithful to our assignment and to what God has called us to do no matter what. Finally, the person who speaks of his personal self will seeks to glorify himself. Um, but the person who is under God's authority and seeks to um, seeks God's will seeks to glorify God. So that was kind of like a distinction between knowing who kind of is seeking God's glory and who is seeking their glory. It's just in their wording, you can tell. Let us open our Bibles to John chapter 7, 25 to 36. I'm going to be reading from the Christian Standard Bible. So John 7, that's my 25. So verse 25 says, So some of the people of Jerusalem were saying, Isn't this the man they were trying to kill? That's Jesus. Yet, look, he's speaking publicly and they are saying nothing to him. Can it be true that the authorities know he is the Messiah but we, or the Christ, as NKJV says, but we know where this man is from. When the Christ comes, nobody will know where he is from. 
verse 28, as he was teaching in the temple that is Jesus, Jesus cried out, you know me and you know where I am from. Yet I have not come on my own, but the one who sent me. It's true, you don't know him. I know him because I am from him and he sent me, verse 30. Then they tried to seize him, yet no one laid a hand on him because his hour had not yet come. However, many from the crowd believed in him and said, when the Messiah comes, he won't perform more signs. He won't perform more sign than this man has done, will he? <laughs> Verse 32, the Pharisees heard the crowd murmuring these things or complaining about him. Um, and so the chief priests and the Pharisees sent servants to arrest him. Um, Verse 33, then Jesus said, I am only with you for a short time. Then I'm going to the one who sent me. You will look for me, but you will not find me. And where I am, you cannot come. Verse 35, and the Jew, then the Jews said to one another, where does he intend to go so we won't find him? He doesn't intend to go to the Jewish people dispersed among the Greeks and teach the Greeks, does he? Verse 36, our final, final verse, what is this remark he made? You will look for me and you will not find me. And where I am, you cannot come. Hmm. What was Jesus saying? So we're going to delve into that and kind of see the mind of Jesus in this text. In verse 25, we see that um, some of the Jews were trying to kill Jesus. So basically some Jews from Jerusalem, which is kind of like you say where the main temple was. So just basically think about it like the headquarter, like like the main church. (laughs) So in today's terms, we will say like the main church location, right? So remember from the previous teaching, Jesus was teaching in the temple in Galilee. He didn't go to he didn't go to Judea. Some Jews who were from Jerusalem had, they had probably come to visit Galilee or maybe they, they live in Galilee. You know how like you might be from like the city, but then you live in like the suburb kind of thing. So it might be that case, right? So they decided to go to the local church. They decided to go to the temple in Galilee instead of going to Jerusalem for the festival. So remember there was a festival happening, but Jesus didn't want to go there. He was like, I'm going to stay here in Galilee because in Judea, in Jerusalem, they're trying to kill me. So I'm going to stay here. And the reason why I kind of stress this verse is that I just so I love the picture that this paints. It just really connects us to back in the days to our current reality, right? How there can be the main church and campuses. You know, so many churches have their main church and their campuses. So this stuff has literally been since the days like over 2000 years ago i just think that is so beautiful i love connecting ancient history to modern day living um it just shows us how we can find ourselves in history and how the world is pretty much still the same but we're just in a different dispensation or a different era like literally we're just living the same life over and over again as they say nothing is new under the sun right it also shows us that we can fellowship anywhere the presence of God is, right? So even when we are, you're outside your own town, where you're not at home or your comfort zone, where you normally go to worship, find where Jesus is being taught. Like Jesus was teaching in the temple in Galilee and people came there. The gospel of the kingdom, the gospel of salvation, the gospel of Jesus is being taught. Go there and listen to him. Don't be stuck in just like, oh, I'm not in my current location where I go to church so I'm not I'm just not going to go to church that Sunday and this is I'm speaking to myself I'm talking actually I'm like yep this applies to you too so (laughs) let's it's just interesting to know that we we can this was done 
back then and this is something that we should also you know imbibe in our like day-to-day lives anyways so the jews who i assume were either they said were either visiting or lived in galilee when the temple worshiping and were listening to jesus teach and they started saying to themselves is this not the man that the leaders the jewish leaders they were also jewish as well but the leaders were trying to they want to kill wow can you just imagine that kind of story spreading about you of course jesus would have heard come on he's not first of all he's discerning plus he's also but it's not stupid. You know, you can tell when people are talking about you, right? Like, people were talking about... <laughs> it's just amazing that, like, Jesus experienced what we experienced, where people are, people are talking about how folks want to kill you. Can you just imagine here that some people want to kill you and you're literally watching them talk about you? <laughs> I just find that that's so funny. But this happens, right? They might not be killing us physically, but people are killing people with their words every day. Every day on social media, even in friendships, in relationships, we just we just speak and we don't pay attention to our words, right? So just thought to throw that in. We can also assume that these people who were talking um, may have been some of Jesus's crowd disciples or the general crowd, right? It will make sense that the Jewish leaders were the ones in Jerusalem holding out the festival from the main headquarters. Um, and so they started just saying, and they said they said something that was so profound. They said, look, he speaks boldly and they say nothing to him. I love this so much because it calls out the audacity and the boldness of Jesus. They noticed Jesus's audacity and his boldness. It's the boldness for me. Like, I just like how Jesus was just so radical and just so bold. If Jesus had audacity and was that bold, despite the opposition and the things they said about him, that they were going to kill him in front of him. Why do we shy away from being bold with our message? Why do we shy away from being bold? We walk with the gifts and the callings and the things that, the talents and the things that God has given to us. Some of us attribute this to being shy or we're not trying to be seen or that's just not my personality to be bold. That's not my thing. But this is so far from the truth. Being bold is our spiritual DNA and we must step into that identity Many people confuse confidence and boldness for arrogance. Confidence is not the same as arrogance because they are driven by different motives. Confidence is the ability to speak up the truth due to conviction on a matter without pulling down another person or exalting yourself above others. So let us be bold disciples. Let us be courageous, extraordinary disciples. This is our spiritual DNA. And let us activate it and step into it. It is so important for you to step into your boldness. But here is the caveat. The truth is intimacy is what intimacy with God is what brings out boldness. Of course, we know that Jesus spent so much time in the presence of God. I mean, it was literally good anyway. So that made him bold. So God is the one that gives you the boldness that you need to fully step into who he has called you to be, which includes mainly using your voice, sharing your message, right? Either through writing, through um, imagery, you know, through photography, through artwork, whatever means he's telling you to singing, whatever means he's telling you to use as a channel, we must use our voice because we're not called to ourselves, but we're called to other people. Purpose always requires you to impact others. So we must be bold to use our voice and our voices, must be bold to use our gift, must be bold to use the things that God has given us to use. 
Joshua 1.9 says, be strong and courageous for I am with you. We can see that God being with us is a, it's the key to, to being strong and being courageous. It is the presence of God that brings the audacity. It is the presence of God that brings the boldness and the courage that you need to stand up despite the opposition you face, despite your natural personality inclination, despite whatever limitations are in your mind. God said, be strong and courageous for I am with you. His presence brings strength and courage. So we must always operate from the presence of God. And, 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 this, and the way we do that is through intimacy, is by spending time with God. So this is how we be, become bold. <laughs> this is how we become bold. The people speaking amongst themselves were basically confused. So that's why they were just asking so many questions. They needed someone to clarify their questions. They wondered, do the, do the leaders know what, that Jesus is the Messiah? Do they know that he's the Christ? Do they know that he's the Savior that we've waited for all these years? If he isn't, why can't they do anything to him and make him stop blaspheming? And then they were thinking, if they knew he was the Christ, why wouldn't they tell us the truth about him? They just really wanted to know what their leaders thought about this matter. And this, I find it very interesting because this happens to us, right? When we follow leaders, we just want to know what's going on. <laughs> and so I think it is fair to say that as leaders, and because all of us here on this listening are leaders, we should never leave our followers clueless or in a state of confusion, especially when it's, it's a relevant matter, right? When it's relevant, we need, we need to make sure that we provide clarity to situations, to matters, to things, so that they are not confused. Because instead of cluelessness and confusion leaves room for unnecessary unnecessary assumptions that, it would, that would eventually lead our followers down the wrong path. And we could clearly see that example here. So I just thought to point that out because we are all leaders in this room. And I think that is such a great leadership um, you know, tip right there. They also couldn't get past where Jesus was from as they described him, right? They said, we know where he's from, so he can't be Christ. We know where Christ is from. They expected Christ to come from someplace else, maybe come out from the clouds or something, maybe like horses. That's what they expected. But he came as a baby born in a manger. The people had gotten too familiar with seeing Jesus around. What this means is that some people wouldn't get past your past and so they use that rationale and mindset when listening or analyzing your message. This is how doubt sets in and spreads around. So you hear things like, is your message true? But we know him now. We know her. We know money. Is she legit? You know, they were looking at Christ. They said, but we know where he's from. They kept trying to analyze Jesus's case. We know where he's from. But when Christ comes, no one will know where he's from. And what was happening to them is what is is what Jose um, in Hosea said four six says my people really do perish due to lack of knowledge because they just lack complete understanding concerning the situation. We and because of that we come up with different things that may be factual but may not be the truth. Remember, there is only one truth. If they had the Holy Spirit, perhaps they would have known the truth of this matter since. This is what he does, right? The Holy Spirit leads us into truth. So if they had that kind of close intimacy with God, they would have known, they would have known the answers to their question, basically. So I say all that say it is worth noting that people who are not spirit-led may 
or we may most likely view you from the lens of your past, from the lens of where you are from, the way you, they knew you as a kid, when they knew you in college, when they knew you when you were hustling, when they knew you when you were in your down season, when they knew you before Christ transformed your life, when they knew you before the, the you that you are today, the version of you that you are today, Nigerians will say, when they have seen you finish, he can be our savior, she can be our leader. I know they are past, that's not possible. And so because of that, they block themselves from receiving the grace and the blessings the person carries. And this is what was happening to those people there. So the Lord says, they said, let not your heart be troubled. They did it to Christ. If it happens to you, you are in great company. John 14, one says, let, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God believe also in me. Our job is to believe in God and the one who sent us and also believe in Christ, period. Every other person really doesn't matter. That's it. <laughs> um, of course, unless they are accountable to you, but you know, the, these people I'm talking about, they are naysayers. So just put them in the ignore pile as Christ did. These are role model. In verse 28, it says, Jesus cried out, <laughs> as he taught in the temple. Wow, so profound. Basically, he spoke in a higher tone. He spoke assertively and he elevated his voice to get his message across. Very, this is very interesting. He basically shouted. <laughs> I find that interesting because you know, when we paint Jesus, you're always thinking a cool, calm guy. Well, we know in the temple, he, he turned the tables around, but that was probably the only time where we saw Jesus kind of just kind of go out of his in quote character, but here it's saying he cried out. He basically like shouted, like I can just imagine. He probably spoke, was probably speaking in that voice of like, "Wake up, don't you get it?" Like that tone of like, "Wake up, wake up." He spoke with force. He spoke, he spoke for me, but from a place of compassion. So that cry was just like, "Guys, I want you to get it." Um, I kind of just picture some of our favorite preachers. You know, when they get in the flow and they're trying to get a message across and they, you know, you, you, I'm sure you guys know what I'm talking about, you, you know, because they want people to like get it. They want you to get it. They want you to get it. And so they, they raise their tone and then there's so much energy. I just feel like that is kind of the picture here. Um, so, and we all do that. So we get the message. I just wanted to paint that picture because I feel like, I feel like we're always painting Jesus as this, oh, calm, calm. But Jesus was radical. Stephen Friday says, hashtag savage Jesus. He cried out. He, he pretty much spoke like assertively. Like, guys, wake up. Right? So I would say one lesson. And I point this out because, again, we're leaders on this platform and disciples. I'll say one lesson here that we can learn as leaders and disciples is that sometimes when we need to pass our message across, we need to be assertive. I know as especially like people of color, they're like, oh, you're too assertive. No, there are times where you need to be assertive. You need to be assertive and elevate your voice. But of course, remember from a place of compassion or passion, that's why it says, but Jesus cried out. So that cry and that out represents compassion and the assertiveness. But Jesus responded, yes, you know me. You know where I'm from. And I'm here teaching you guys, not because I sent myself, but because God sent me. And the one who sent me is true, but because you don't know him, you can't know that he sent me. But I know him and I am from him and he sent me. I know this is a bit worthy, but I'm about to break it down. 
It is very important to know your identity in God. That was what was happening to Jesus here. They were trying to just mess up his entire being, like with all the things, you know, they were asking so many, saying so many confusing things and it can throw you off if you don't know who you are. You must know your identity. Who are you? It helps you stand firm when the naysayers start to talk. The ones who know God and are led by the Spirit will know you are legit and that you are from God. But the ones who don't will think you're not. And then they're the ones that just keep speaking and talking anyhow. Some people will not believe your message because they boxed you into your past and what they knew about you before God called you, before God put his hand on you, before God anointed you for the work. Because of this veil over their eyes, they are not able to receive your message. However, if they truly know God and are led by the Spirit, that veil will be removed and they will know that you are sent. If they truly know God, they will be able to take your message despite your past or what they knew about you before God sent you. It is all about intimacy. Matthew 5, <clears throat> Matthew 5, 8 says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. When you have a pure heart, you can see God in man. You can see God in creation. You can see God in God. You can see God everywhere. You can see God in the day-to-day affairs of your life. When you have a pure heart, you would be able to see God. And a pure heart is nothing like, like, oh my God, I'm so holy. I'm No, not in that sense. A pure heart is a heart that is single-minded and focused on God. One who lives for the audience of one, no idols, no, no little foxes, no unnecessary anger, no unnecessary gossiping. Little, little foxes that spoil the vine does not swear deceitfully. Psalm 24 verse 3 to 4 says, who shall ascend the hill of the Lord, who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to what is false or has sworn deceitfully. That is the prerequisite for a pure heart. No idols, no swearing deceitfully. That means you must have integrity. You must be true to yourself. God does not bless who you are not. A lot of us are pretending to be somebody else. That's why you are stagnant and you're not moving forward. Who are you? Find your identity in God. And that is what God blesses. In verse 30, it says, it was saying that they're trying to capture him, but they couldn't. So they tried to capture him, but they couldn't because he t- his time had not yet come. Because his time had not yet come, well, basically what happened there, because it says, therefore, they sought to take him, but no one laid a hand on him because his hour had not come. So they were trying to like, just imagine walking in a crowd and they're trying to grab you. But every time they try to grab you, you literally like sleep off. <laughs> I feel like maybe it's almost like I see Jesus became spiritual then. But that's not what happened. God, what God did was he used his angels to shield him. So every time they wanted to like grab him, they couldn't because it was almost like just, I don't know if you guys watch Harry Potter, the cloak, the invisible cloak where you're literally there, but no one can see you. That's what happened to Jesus. When your time has not come and you are in close danger or you are being forced into your time prematurely, which we kind of talked about before, that is, it's possible to step into the fullness of your purpose prematurely. And that's not necessarily a good thing. God can send his angels with wings like the seraphims to shield you. It shows up as Elohim Machaselanu. That's the Lord our refuge. I don't know if I said that properly. It shows up and it's like in that moment, that version of God that shows up is the Lord our refuge, Jehovah 
um, the Lord our defense. So he literally protects you. That's God who protects. Um, and he protects with his angels. Their wings just come and they cover you. But what baffles me the most in this is that the text says they believed him, but they still said, when the Messiah, when Christ comes, will he do more signs than this, which this man has done? And I was like, I'm confused. They believed him, but they were still asking when the Messiah is coming. How is that possible? I was like, huh? And it dawned on me. This is because they believed him, but they didn't know him. You can actually believe someone and their message, but you may not know them. You can believe in God or believe God, but that doesn't mean that you know God. <laughs> this is deep. Matthew 7, 21 to 23 says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, you have not, have we not prophesied in your name? Have we not cast out demons in your name? Have we not done wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me. You who practice lawlessness. Guys, this is deep and this is profound. It is possible to believe in God. It is possible to be teaching. It is possible to be prophesying, casting out demons, doing wonders, but not know God. And God says, when you get to heaven, I'm going to deny you. I don't know you. Many Christians will really be shocked when they get to heaven. I'm telling you, heaven is going to be lit because there are three types of people in heaven. When you get to heaven, the people that you're like, uh -uh, how did you get here? <laughs> then the ones that they are surprised at why they are there. Then the ones that you're surprised why they are not there. And then the ones that you're like, wow, I even thought you'd be like, ah, you'd be up there, up there. <laughs> but you're just down here. <laughs> it's it's going to be interest, very interesting. This is why we cannot judge. No, nothing. Can't judge. And I'm going to share an, um, an excerpt from a book called The Throne Room Company by Sean Bowles because it really explains how, what this passage means, how you can actually believe God and not know him. Because knowing God is about intimacy. It's about friendship. It's about really knowing him. And when I read this thing, I cried and my prayer began to change. I said, Jesus, my desire is to spend eternity beside you at your feet in the upper room, in the Holy of Holies. I don't want to be in the outer court. I don't want to be in the crowd section. I want to be Mary at your feet in heaven. I don't want to be Martha, Lord. But Mary, when I get to heaven, this is deep. Because it's possible to get to heaven and you'll be in the outer room. I mean, it's still heaven, no? Jonathan, it's better than going to hell. However, it depends because who wants to get to heaven and find out that all that they did on earth, they couldn't even access, they can't even access Jesus when they get there. I, I don't know. I just feel like that would be so sad. So sad. So here's the excerpt. It says, a friend of mine had a vision of heaven. He saw the outer courts the inner court and the Holy of Holies where Jesus stood. So Jesus was in the Holy of Holies. This friend went first to the outer courts where he encountered many well-known ministers of the last century who had incredible ministries of teaching, healing, and prophecy. Surprised to see them in the, out, in the outer court, he approached one of the famous Christians who had lived during the 20th century and asked with genuine interest, why aren't you inside with Jesus? <laughs> The man, the man looked at him with a smile. 
because I love, it says, because I love my ministry more than Jesus. I spent more time with ministry to people than I did with Jesus. The man had no shame and was clearly grateful to be in the company of heaven, which, which is what I said. I said, at least you're still in heaven. However, my friend was saddened about his own life. Then my friend was transported into the inner courts where he recognized a modern day hero of faith. Why aren't you in the Holy of Holies? He inquired. This modern day hero did not take offense at the question, but responded truthfully. I cared more about understanding and wisdom than I did about being with Jesus. My life revolved around an intellectual understanding, not my relationship, not around my relationship with him. Again, my friend was convicted and a little disheartened by what he heard. Finally, he was ushered into the most awesome presence of the Holy of Holies. A radiant love emanated from Jesus Christ, from Jesus. My friend could barely see because of the brilliant light in this room. Below the throne, he noticed a frail woman holding the hand of God, searching his memory. My friend could not place her among the leaders of Christendom. Then slowly, he walked over to her and discovered that her gaze was fixed on Jesus. Hesitating at first, he finally interrupted her and asked, will you tell me who you are? Without taking her eyes off of Jesus, she replied, I'm his. And then he said, but how did you get to be in the Holy of Holies? He asked her. For, his, for a split second, she took her eyes off Jesus to look at him, confused by the question. Her eyes were radiant with the power of his pleasure. She answered, I just loved him. All my days on earth, I only had my love for him. My friend was amazed that someone who seemed to live an unsuccessful ministry life was in the Holy of Holies so close to Jesus. This parabolic vision actually depicts how God defines success from heaven's point of view. It also illustrates how our performance-based attitude of ministry, of life, falls short of what, what is really important to God. Jesus is not impressed by our success in any other thing than love and intimacy with him. That is so profound. That is so profound. Second Corinthians chapter 13 verse 1 says, If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong and a clang, clanging cymbal. Love fuels intimacy and the anointing. We must learn to walk in love. We want to, if we want to unlock the depths of intimacy with, with and in God, we must understand that believing and knowing God serve different purposes and unlock different dimensions of God to us. It determines how we experience God on earth and in eternity. It determines if you will live heaven on earth or just merely get through life. It determines if you will experience the kingdom of God and enjoy the stability, the hope, the abundance, the joy, the peace the freedom that the king, that kingdom brings to earth, or if you just be riding on the waves of the storms of this world. Believing in God is key to receiving the gift of eternal life. You need to believe in Jesus to have eternal life, but believing is not enough. God wants us to be intimate with him. He wants us to grow, to be that image he formed at the foundations of the earth. He wants to call us friend. He wants to call you friend. John 15, 15 says, no longer do I call you servant for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friend. 
I have called you friends for all things that I heard from my father. I have made known to you. It is a place of intimacy. Knowing God is getting to know who he really is, the core of his being, his personality, his emotions, what makes him happy, what makes him sad, what makes him cry. God cries. It is how you get into that secret place with God. It is when you know him, he begins to open up to you deep and secret things, things that just just like you and your friend, you know, just things that just a friend would open up to someone they truly know. You have close friends that you really open up to. That is what intimacy with God feels like. Knowing God is what unlocks opportunities in him. It is what unlocks the mysteries of God and tapping into our inheritance in Christ Jesus. It is a place of intimate, intimate relationship, a place where spirit, soul, and body becomes transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit of being in close proximity to us. And in being intimate, it is where glory resides. It is where your light, you are like just radiant. In verse 30, moving on to verse 32, the Pharisees heard what the crowds were saying and they went to the chief priest to report Jesus' case. So this was kind of like the order. The chief priest must be involved because remember Jesus was a teacher, was a rabbi. And in terms of authority and hierarchy of service, the priest was the lead in the temple. So they had to, the Pharisees kind of had to go through the chief priest, just a bit of why the chief priest was mentioned in this case. So eventually they made it official to put a warrant out for Jesus. So at this point, they've put it out like, we need to get this guy. They decided that we need to start finding something to use against him so they could legally and officially arrest him. It is worth noting that people will always try to find something to use against you to bring you down just the way you to break you down, not in a necessarily because it's you, but just to weigh you down from speaking that truth, from using that voice, from speaking the, from saying the message that God sent you, right? And it's not because it's not really about you, but it's because of the message and what you're carrying. Again, if this happened to Jesus, most likely it would happen to us. So this is kind of like preparing us for the journey ahead. But Bible says, "Eat up, for the journey is long." All all these teachings are tools to equip us on this journey that we're going to the next 10 years, the next 20 years. This is why it is always, when you hear, always hearing things being said about men of God, pastors, teachers, preachers, apostles, prophets. This is the trend. People would always seek to find faults in godly men and godly women. It's just what it is. It's part of their job description and they are calling, just be seeking fault. Let us not be pleased. Let us not be those people. And the, the sad part about this thing is that there are many believers that do this. Fellow Christians and fellow believers, they are the ones available to be used by the enemy to become broad vessels to do his work. I declare that nobody listening to my voice will be borrowed vessels to perpetuate the enemy's agenda, to bring division amongst believers or to bring pain to our fellow believers. We will not be one of them. We will not be caught gossiping about men of God. We will not be caught gossiping about teachers, prophets, apostles. We will not be caught speaking ill of them or just even discussing their matter. It is none of your business. The God who called them has their king in in his hand. He's the one that deals with them. And of course, Jesus, knowing that this was going to happen, he started talking about his departure. So at this point, they've put out a warrant for his arrest. He's like, yo, I need to start talking about my succession plan. 
Jesus, this is a succession plan. It's like, let me start talking, <laughs> start planning for my future. He said, I shall be with you a little while longer. And then I go to him who sent me. I'm going back to my father. You will seek me and not find me. And where I am, you cannot come. He was basically telling them what was coming. He was prophesying. He was foretelling what was about to come in terms of his dying and resurrecting. You know, there will come a time when we will seek Jesus and we won't find him. Literally, both literally and figuratively. He says, you cannot come to where I am because we're not intimate. Just like from what we read earlier, right? You can't come into the Holy of Holies. Matthew 7 said, it. I don't know you. I don't know you. You just, you can't come to where I'm at. It's quite sad, but it is what it is. It's going to happen. And literally on earth, there would also be a time where this may be true. In Revelation 20, I'm not going to read it because of time, but Revelation 22 to 3, verse 7 to 9, it talks about a time on earth where the devil will be bound and thrown into the bottomless pit for about a thousand years. And then Christ will be on earth, Christ will reign. So at that point, you can see Christ. And we, I believe that we are in that season now. But then there's also a time where Satan will be released on earth at a higher level. And it will just go crazy across the nation, right? So basically there's a time coming where Christ will reign on earth. I don't know, but I, as I said, I believe we're in those times. So God will literally be God on earth. Like we are definitely in the decade of God on earth, almost like when Jesus was here, but now it's the Holy Spirit here and God has poured him out without measure and he's still pouring him out more without measure just to make us stronger and fortified as we build heaven on earth and set the right things in place for the times when the enemy will be let loose to go wild on earth. Like we've not even seen anything yet. But we thank God that Romans 5.20 says, but as people sin more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. So light will always trump darkness. And that's why everywhere, it's almost like everywhere you go, you're just saying, God, 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 Jesus, 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 Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. We're in the decade. It's a decade where God is pouring out God in like abundance. It's going to be everywhere. I say all this to say that the day of salvation is now. It is today. Second Corinthians 6, 2 says, on the day of salvation, I helped you. Indeed, the time is now. The right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to make a decision to seek intimacy with God. Today is the day to repent. Today is the day to turn back from your lower mindset and elevate to a higher mindset, to elevate to a higher way of thinking. Today is the day to come home, to come back to your maker. Today is the day to come home to your father. Today is the day where the prodigal son returns home. Today is the day where the son that was in the temple realizes that I am a son. I am I, <laughs> I'm not an orphan. Today is the day to repent from orphan mindset to sonship. Today is the day to come back to Jesus. Today is the day to return to God. Today is the day. Tomorrow is not promised. Obadiah 117 says, but upon Mount Zion, there shall be deliverance and there shall be holiness and the house of Jacob shall possess their possessions. Today is a day of deliverance 
and we shall possess our possession. We will take hold of our inheritance that Christ died for and have that abundant and extraordinary life that God intended for us when he created us. Today is the day. Finally, in verse 35 to 36, the Jews did not understand. They didn't understand what Jesus meant. He said, I'm going away. I'm going away. They couldn't get it. They couldn't wrap their brains around it. To be honest, I can't blame them. They didn't have the Holy Spirit. They didn't have the Holy Spirit to open their eyes to see beyond the physical. They didn't have the Holy Spirit to open their ears to hear what Jesus was truly saying. They also didn't have intimate relationship with God. So their interpretation of his message was subject to their current level of thinking and their current state of mindset, their current mindset. We can see this shows us that we interpret messages based on the state of our mindset. If you are operating in the lower realm of thinking, you will always miss the truth in the message because you are interpreting it from a lower realm of thinking. That is exactly what happened here. And this is why Paul, Apostle Paul, urged us and said in Romans 12, 2, do not be conformed to the things of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. We must renew our minds. We must allow God to renew our minds through his word. This is why we studied the word. We must allow God to renew our mind through his teachers, through the apostles, through the prophets, through the ministry gift, through the pastors, through the evangelists, because they speak truth of the word of God. We must allow the Holy Spirit to renew our minds, to teach us, to tell us what to do, to help us reduce carnality and flesh. If not, we will be bound by the limitations of our mindset. We'll be blown by every wind of doctrine that we hear. We will not be single-minded in focus and in pursuit. We will misinterpret God's spoken word and written word. And this is how we run into error. And then we start blaming God. I pray that the eyes of our heart, the very center and the core of our being will be enlightened, will be flooded with the light of the Holy Spirit so that we will know and we will cherish the hope, the divine guarantee, the confident expectation to which God has called us, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. We are his treasures in earthen vessel. Wow. God said, you are my greatest investment. Human beings are my greatest investment. He put his image in us. Do you know what I mean? He didn't put his image in animals, in any not even in angels, but in us. You are God's greatest investment. If you don't take anything from today's message, I want you to remember you are God's greatest investment because you carry his breath and his image. Ruah. Yahweh, his breath is inside of you. You are God's greatest investment. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for this word. It is a word that is timely and induces in because of the times we are entering. And this from this from this moment on. Lord, I thank you because everyone that has heard this word, that their heart would receive it, it will sit in good soil and it will build fruit. 
It will transform their lives to be more like Christ. Holy Spirit, we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. So to summarize our teaching, so here are some key things that we can know to live an extraordinary life. Number one, intimacy brings boldness. And I've, I've started experiencing it. And I, every day I'm just like, wow, this intimacy thing really brings boldness. It does. <laughs> it does. It is the presence of God with you that brings the audacity, the boldness, and courage you need to speak up and stand up despite opposition. It is just God that does that work in you. Because you see some people, they speak, and you're like, wow, so bold. It's just the God in them. They speak up, right? Number two, God wants you to know him as father, and he also wants you to know him as friend. Friendship with God is so important. God wants you, to, Jesus wants you, to, wants to call you friend. He loves to develop a friendship with you. He really does. And it's such a beautiful place to live. Like to live with Christ as friend, to tell him, to be like, God, Holy Spirit, what do I wear today? And he'll tell you, okay, wear this. Like it's just a different place to live. Like in your day-to-day, experiencing Christ, Jesus and God as friend allows you to bring him to your day-to-day and it just makes life sweet. It makes life sweet. It does. Finally, the day of salvation is today. Today is the day to make that decision to turn back and to focus, to refocus our gaze on Jesus Christ, on God. Let us pray. Holy Spirit, we thank you. We just thank you for another time of worship. Yes, you came hard. (laughs) You came with your word, but your word is to make us grow. Every time you speak to us in assertiveness, you said, spare the rod and spoil the child. You don't spare the rod. We're not children anymore. We can take it. Yes, we're not babies. We can take meat. We're here for meat. <laughs> we're here for meat. So we just want to say thank you. 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 To learn from your word, to learn from Jesus, our lead disciples, our role model and our mentor. We just say thank you. Lord, we declare that we are strong and courageous. We will not be afraid. We will not be discouraged. (laughs) For our God, the almighty, the I am that I am, is with us wherever we go. We will not be afraid. We will be strong and we will be courageous. We will be bold as a lion, humble as a lamb. Holy Spirit, you lead us into all truth. Today, we declare that you lead us into all truth. When we need clarity, we receive clarity. When we need wisdom, we receive wisdom. Holy Spirit, you stretch the mind of God. Lead us into God's truth for our lives. Lead us into God's truth for our businesses. Lead us into God's truth for our career decisions. Lead us into God's truth concerning everything that concerns us, our relationship, everything. Lord, I cast down every argument, every belief system, every mindset, every past experience, every personality, every personality trait, every passion and desire, and every high thing that exalts itself above and against the knowledge of God, against the true knowledge of God in our lives. And I bring them into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And I declare that we have the mind of Christ. And Lord, as you uproot these things in us, that uproot the imprints of carnality, 
or put the imprint of the flesh, replace it with the fruit of the Spirit. In the name of Jesus, plant the seed of the fruit of the Spirit and Holy Spirit, let your rain, send down your rain to water and let it grow. Holy Spirit, give us the grace to obey you as you teach us to walk out, to be able to cultivate and nurture the seeds of the fruit of the Spirit that you are putting in us today. By the end of this year, that one fruit that we desire to have, people will start saying, ah, you are you are a kind person. You are loving. You are very gentle. You are very patient. That will be our testimony in Jesus' name. I declare that we would have peace in our heart because our focus is on God. And because our focus is on God, He gives us understanding that brings peace into our situations. It gives us understanding that brings peace into our heart. It gives us understanding that brings peace into our lives despite what is happening around us. And I declare that our hearts will not be troubled because we believe in God and we believe in in Jesus Christ, your son. I declare over every lukewarm believer, every sleeping believer, every spiritually dead believer, rise up from the dead and Christ will give you light. I declare the light of God over you and that his light tears down the veil of darkness, blocking you from seeing the light of God, blocking you from clarity, blocking you from seeing the things that are, that the mindset, the things that are holding you back from moving to your next level. I declare that we have clean hands and a pure heart and we do not lift up our souls to what is false or swear deceitfully. I declare that we have a heart that is perfect towards God and and a pure heart because of this we shall see God. We will see God in man. We will see God in creation. We will see God in our day to day. We will see God when we wake up. We will see God when we sleep. We will see God when we're in the shower. We will see God when we're driving. We will see God when we're walking. We will see God in God. In the name of Jesus, Lord, I pray that on the last day, we will not be found wanting. Holy Spirit, help us walk this journey to eternity. Take our hands and walk with us. I declare that Jesus will not deny us in heaven. We won't labor in vain. We won't work so hard in vain. We won't work so hard on earth. We won't labor in vain for God. I declare that all our labors will not be in vain. In the name of Jesus, our labor will not be in vain. We'll be called faithful servants, oh God. I declare that we are friends of God. Holy Spirit, bring us into intimacy with Jesus and elevate us to friend status. Open us up where we are sliding into his DM. Elevate us to status where God is like, you have direct access to me. DM me, DM me, DM me. Let's, let's talk. Lord, elevate us to direct access with you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Wow, that was so profound. Open us up to what the Father is doing on earth. We open ourselves to the secret things from God. You said, call unto me and ask me the hidden things. And I will show you, Lord, we ask you to reveal the hidden things concerning our lives. Open it up to us. Those in the different areas of our lives, things that are hidden, things that we don't know, open it up and show it up to us. In the name of Jesus, our desire is to spend eternity at your feet, Lord, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus Christ, we want to be in the Holy of Holies with you. We don't want to be in the crowd section. We don't want to be in the outer in the outer courts, Lord. We want to be Mary at your feet, Lord. We don't want to be Martha. We want to be Mary when we get to heaven, right at the feet of Jesus. 
in koinonia, in fellowship with him, I declare that we will not be borrowed vessels by the enemy to perpetuate his agenda, to bring division among believers. We will not be gossiping about men of God. We will not be talking about them. We will not bring pain to our fellow believers by gossiping about our friends and our fellow our, our fellow brothers, even unbelievers. We will not be talking about leaders or people. We will not be those people, Lord. Help us that we have, we de- I declare that we have vessels unto honor for the master's use that little foxes will not spoil our vine and I declare over our lives the church we come together in agreement we declare over our lives we declare over the church we declare over the nations we declare over the world that God's wonderful grace will become more abundant will rise above darkness and that light will shatter darkness and darkness will not understand it the light will shatter darkness in our lives in the world in the nations and darkness will not understand it Lord you said today is a day of salvation and that you've helped you will help us Lord I decree on everyone here that needs help Father Lord, today, send help to them. You are the one that made heaven and earth. You are the one that owns um, the hill, the cattle on a thousand hills. Maka Libra Soto, send help, send help, send help, send help, send help, send help in the name of Jesus. Today is a day of your salvation, and I re- I release salvation unto you. And I declare that the Lord Almighty would help you today. He will send salvation to the area that you need it. That area of your life that needs saving, our Savior, we call on you today to save us in the name of Jesus. You said on, on Mount Zion there shall be deliverance and there shall be holiness, and the house of Jacob shall possess their possession today i declare over this house i declare over everyone listening that there is deliverance and holiness on this mountain and i declare that we will possess our possession we will not live here empty-handed we will take hold of the inheritance that christ died for us for on the cross and shed his precious blood for and we step into the abundant life we step into the extraordinary life we step into our next level 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 today 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 i declare step into your next level 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 i say step into your next level in the mighty name of Jesus. And I declare that the eyes of our heart, the very center of our being, will be flooded with light, illuminative light, creative light, multi-dimensional light of God, flooding our hearts with light, so pure, so our hearts will reflect and ref- will refract and will reflect light by the power of the Holy Spirit so that you will know that you are God's in- greatest investment, that you will know that you are treasured in earthen vessel, that you will know the hope the divine guarantee to which Christ has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance and saints. There is more, guys. The best is yet to come. Step into your next level. Today is a day of salvation. Don't miss it. Step into your next level. Begin to receive it. Say, I step into my next level. I step into my next level. In the name of Jesus, Lord, and I declare that we will not be conformed to the things of this world, but will be transformed by the renewing of our minds, by the word of God and the Holy Spirit, that we may know what is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God for our lives. In the mighty name of Jesus, Lord, perfect everything that concerns us. Make every crooked path straight. Be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Lord, we surrender to you and to your lordship over our lives. And we say, have your way in us, O God. 
Lord, we thank you for what you've done here tonight. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for deliverance. Thank you for healing. Thank you for restoration. Thank you for clarity. Thank you for invitations to intimacy. Thank you for invitations to deeper intimacy. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for your goodness. You are a good, good father and we love you. You are a rewarder of those who diligently seek you. And we thank you for all these rewards and gifts. And I declare that we will see the physical manifestations of these prayers. We believe and because we believe, there will be a performance of these words and they will not delay. In Jesus' name, I declare that these prayers are signed, sealed and delivered unto victory in the mighty, mighty, precious name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your prayers. Holy Spirit, thank you for carrying us through. In Jesus' powerful name, we have prayed. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's session. I hope you were blessed. I trust you were. Don't forget to invite your friends to the sessions or get them to sign up to receive our daily prayers and to get access to the bi-weekly Bible study session. The link is in the bio. See you next time. Ciao.